Our reading this morning is taken from Acts, chapter 17, starting at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens... I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, Some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you this morning. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon us now to enable us to see and hear your word afresh. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul reminds me of a one-man band. When I was uh, growing up in Cambridge, we had a chap called Snowy. Uh, He used to stand in the market square in a bright red military-style coat, looking suspiciously like Father Christmas. He even had those black, highly polished shoes, those boots. Uh, He had a a contraption around his neck, um, supporting a mouth organ, and he played a concertina. There were ropes and pulleys attached to his feet, Um, and the drum, and I think somewhere he had a cymbal as well, but not quite sure how he managed to play that. On his head, he had an old top hat, and round the rim of the hat ran a white, real white mouse. We used to stop and marvel at him and wonder how on earth he managed it. When we look at Paul, I wonder if we might think the same. We stop and we marvel at him, but we wonder how on earth he managed it. Paul is so very different from us, isn't he? Paul was clever. Not saying that we're not that clever. Paul was clever. He was a rabbi who had been trained by the finest scholar of the day, a man called Gamaliel. He spent much of his life thinking and reasoning about the Bible. He'd had instruction on how to present his thoughts clearly and rationally. We see him throughout Acts, persevering through the most difficult of circumstances. He's imprisoned, he's shipwrecked, he's abused physically and verbally and shunned by his old contemporaries, the Jews. We see him here in this reading, having been run out of Thessalonica and into Beroea, where he had some success with a slightly more receptive audience before the Jews from Thessalonica found him again, so he was forced to flee to Athens. Throughout all this uncertainty, and upheaval, he didn't lose sight of what he was supposed to be doing. He didn't lose sight of his goal. His goal was to make God known and to bring his message to the very people who were giving him such a hard time. He had the ability to mix with all sorts of people. He's in the marketplace, talking to anyone who will listen. Imagine a busy market square, hustle and bustle of street sellers, a woman going about in the market, buying food for the evening meal, children running about, shouting, messing about, fighting, falling over. And there's Paul, walking through the square, observing all the noise and the commotion. Does he stop and look for a place to start preaching? Or does he strike up a conversation with a stallholder, in which somehow leads to an opening to share the good news? Consider the scene. Want to buy some figs for your supper, sir? Oh, that would be lovely. I'm famished after all the travelling I've done. Really? Where have you been? And he's in. Well, might have gone something like that. Paul is so very different from us, isn't he? So now he finds himself debating with the intellectuals of the day, the Epicureans and the Stoics. Is he out of his depth? No, not Paul. All the training he's had as a rabbi surely pays off now. In fact, they're so impressed, they take him to the Areopagus, which is the high council of the city, 
where all the intellectuals debate the concepts and the big ideas of the day. I don't know whether um, you've ever holidayed in Greece, but this kind of still goes on in the Greek squares there. The taverners are all full of weathered old men, drinking coffee, you know, the coffee's so thick the spoon stands up in it. Um, and they talk and they talk and they debate and they debate until the coffee turns into ouzo and the conversations get quite heated. So Paul, our one-man band, intelligent, socially adept, compelling and intriguing, a man who never gives up. He's so different from us, isn't he? Or is he? It might be tempting to look at Paul and concentrate on all the differences and come to the conclusion that that I couldn't possibly do anything like that. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the social skills, the commitment, or quite frankly, the time or the inclination. Might have we overlooked the one thing that we do have in common? Acts, uh, in the reading we've just had, verse 28 tells us, For in him we live and move and have our being. Paul's father is our father too. The same power that Paul works from is available to us right now. The greatest danger is that we don't use what we've been promised. We've been promised the Holy Spirit. He is available to us to help us to live out the good news. The biggest trap we can fall into is apathy. I'm not like Paul. I don't have those gifts. I'm not even sure if I've got any gifts. And even if I did, someone else can do a job much better than I can. And I agree. We're not supposed to be like Paul. When we get to heaven, I doubt very much whether God will ask us why we weren't more like Paul. But he might ask us, why weren't you more like Kia or Steve or Esther? God called us to be who we are and where we are for a reason. By embracing who we are in Christ and living the the lives he's given us to live, we can be the good news to everyone we meet. Not like Paul, but like us. If we truly know that we are accepted and loved for who we are, if we surrender daily to his control over our lives we will be transformed into the people we were always supposed to be. Unlike Paul, it probably won't be a road to Damascus experience, but gradually, by making the right decisions and the right choices day by day, and by spending time being aware of God's presence, we can have life, and life in all its fullness. Let us pray. Father, we claim our identity as your sons and daughters in Christ. Help us to be all that you would have us be. Give us courage, perseverance and hope to live our lives for your glory. Amen.